Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host, Michelle Clare, and it's May 4th. May the 4th be with you. So, Michelle, how are you doing tonight? How is it in um, sunny Arizona? It's beautiful. I think we had a high about 90 today, so it's a good time to wow. be in Arizona. The weather's good. The sun's staying out longer. I'm enjoying it. Oh, that's great. Well, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but guess what? It's chilly here and rainy, and we're still waiting for some semblance of spring, but I don't think we're going to get a spring. I think we're going to go right into summer because next week it starts into the 80s, which I love, but it's so strange. I mean, there really hasn't been a transition. Gone from cold, now it'll go to hot. Yep. Right. I guess what's happening. What's happening? Yeah. So tell it's us what's happening with you. You've got there is change. Yes, uh, there, well, you know we're supposed to have seasons here, <laughs> and, right. and we kind of are. I don't know what's happening. They're just merging together. We've got some kind of Mandela effect going on with our seasons, or what? I don't know. Something's going on, but there's always something exciting going on with you. So tell us what you're up to. Yeah, well, tomorrow I'm actually hosting an online webinar for channeling basics. So for people who are looking to get their feet wet and start dipping into that, that'll be something you can connect with me on. I have sound and energy healings and readings coming up in Northeast Scottsdale on May 14th. And then at the end of this month, if you're in the Phoenix area, on May 29th, I'll be working at the Phoenix Psychic Fair. So people can come by and get an in-person reading. Oh, my goodness. You are a busy bee. That is great. And, of course, people can always contact you for private readings. I know you're always available for that. I shouldn't say that because I know you're very booked up, but people will be able to contact you online and arrange a reading from where they are, anywhere in the world. So that's great. Absolutely. And they can reach you at Michelle Claire. that's C-L-A-R-E, dot, are you com or not, dot com or dot net? Dot net. Dot net. Okay. I thought thought it might be a net. Okay. (laughs) And you know, it's like the internet, right? It yes. The soul. That's an easy way to remember it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I do have to go back to this Mandela effect comment. I'm always watching people talking about the Mandela effect. I would love to get an expert on talking about it sometime. But it's so strange to me. I mean, I I grew up with the television as my babysitter. So I remember all these great shows, Star Trek, I Love Lucy, all those kinds of shows. And 
<clears throat> I loved E.T., the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, when somebody tells me in E.T., the movie by Spielberg, that E.T. points his fingers and, you know, what I remember is him saying, E.T., phone home. Right? Do you remember that? Right. Yes. I do remember Well, guess that. what? Guess what? what? This will blow your mind. That's not what's in the movie now. No. <laughs> yes. What does it say yes. now? <laughs> it says something stupid. It says E.T. home phone. That's yeah. what it says. And it's not, they didn't re-edit it. I mean, this is, we collectively remember it as E.T. phone home. And now it's changed. And the other thing that always gets me is Star Trek. I remember Captain Kirk, you know, pleading with Scotty, beam me up, Scotty. Come on, Scotty, beam me up, Scotty. Remember that? Yes. Well, guess what? There is no beam me up, Scotty, in Star Trek anymore. No. (laughs) I swear. Stop it. Yeah, I'm not kidding. How do we just wipe that out? Look, (laughs) this is what... We need to have a talk about because it is this weird, and there are so many others like that. I know it all started, I think, with the Berenstein Bears and the Berenstain Bears. That book uh, got changed mm-hmm. around. There's a lot of things like this that have changed. So, yeah, I, I've heard people say that has to do with CERN and the collider that they're using. So I don't know if that's merging realities or shifting them, but whatever it's doing, it's certainly changing things from what I remember and what a lot of other people like you collectively remember. So it's a Mm -hmm. very interesting topic. So if anybody out there is an expert on this, contact us. We'd love to have you on the show so we could talk about it. Absolutely. We'd like to solve these mysteries. Yes. Yes, it's just too crazy. I know, it bothers me greatly that Beam Me Up Scotty is no longer, it's like, wait a second, that's just wrong. (laughs) Well, it's certainly interesting, right? (laughs) Oh, yes, it is. It is indeed. And this is different from people shifting out of time or shifting, you know, by themselves to another reality. That's not what this is. This is a collective memory that's totally changed. So that's really weird. So, But speaking of weird, I just want to share with everybody that research is now showing that most Americans believe in the paranormal. How about it? I love it. Yes. So now they're saying new thinking aloud says paranormal experiences are normal and relevant. And this came out in a press release, recent polling conducted in October 2021 by Cinch Home Services, indicates that 83%, that's a lot, 83% of American adults report having experienced paranormal activity in their homes. The top three forms are hearing sounds, lights turning on and off, and hearing voices. This finding is consistent with polling going back for decades Yet, typically, many experiencers are still reluctant to speak openly about their experiences for fear of being ridiculed, called mentally ill, or even accused of demonic possession, which is never any fun. So, 
The new accumulated scientific evidence, however, suggests that many such experiences should be taken at face value. So large segments of the population, when polled, report personal experiences of a parapsychological nature they, and these academic, scientific, and religious institutions have failed to educate the public about 140 years of research into paranormal phenomena. So there you have it. Isn't that great? People are finally speaking out more and admitting they've had these experiences, and people are more willing to talk about it. So 83%, that's pretty high. That is really high, and honestly, I bet the number of people who have had it is even higher than that. Because, listen, we are spiritual beings, so whether you want to call it spiritual or paranormal or whatever we want to call this, um, we're here having a spiritual experience, and I think that it's a higher number than that. I think that there are probably actually the other, what did we say, 17% of people just didn't notice it. They just thought the lights flickered because there was an electrical you know, situation or something like that. Right. So I think right. everyone has them. I think just some people wrote it off as something else and didn't see it for what it was. I think you're right. Yeah, that's that's probably true. That's what happens. People don't have, some people don't have a reference point for this, but a lot of people mm-hmm. do. And certainly media, excuse me, has been catching up to that and providing some outlets for entertainment with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. So that continues to grow. But certainly seeing these types of polls is very encouraging because it broadens our perspective. It, it gives us so much more insight about life. So anyway, yes. and we have such a great guest tonight, do we not? I mean, Romy Bueller, I'm she so is called in. Yes, all the way from Australia. <laughs> she is an animal communicator and more. She is also a holistic health coach. Now, this is important because all of us who love animals, who have pets, we know what we go through with our pets when they're not feeling well. It is really tough to try to figure out. And certainly, I don't think the vets are necessarily on top of this with diagnosis. And they're doing all these tests, and a lot of them are invasive. And I think Romy's going to help us out with this. This is a very big issue. And we need to know what to do. What's the best way to work with our pets when they need help and we don't know what's going on? I mean, we may know some obvious symptoms if they're not eating or if they're lethargic or they're limping or something. But overall, how do we find out how to help them? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Romy. She's extraordinary. Now, Romy is passionate about animal welfare. And she is driven to change the perceptions around how we can communicate with animals so they can be more consciously looked after. Now, most people that have animals in their care, while very connected to them, are only seeing part of their health and well-being picture, mostly through what they observe, what they think, and the things they may already know. But when you communicate from a higher perspective, and you have a conversation with them, you are able to see the whole picture. My God, do we need that. That means you are Mm -hmm. able to support them in a way they need, not in a way we think they need, as you see the truth behind behaviors, psychological, and physical problems. Now, Romy works globally, but she lives on the east coast of Australia, and she does animal communication. She does missing animal investigation, 
She's a medical intuitive and an animal energy healer. So she does it all. And she also runs online and in-person courses in animal communication, missing animals, and intuitive development. She's also the TV show host of the web TV show, The Animals Television Show, a show designed to be educational, inspiring, and entertaining to help the welfare of all animals, domestic and wild. Now, Romy has trained with some of the top psychic mediums, controlled remote viewers, and intuitive detectives around Tony Stockwell, Pam Coronado, James Von Prague, and Amanda DeWarren. And we are blessed to have Romy with us tonight. So, Romy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Patricia and Michelle, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today, or tonight for you. That's right. It's, it's daytime great. for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. The, yeah. The Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, this my is pleasure. great. You know, it's exciting. We on this show and our audience, I can tell you, are all big time animal lovers, all of us. And so it is so great to have you with us. Now, how did you get into this? How did you get started? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I've always been intuitive. I just didn't really know that I what it looked like for me, I guess. And uh, about twelve years ago, because I was very intuitive with people, but the animal side, I was brought up in the country, so I was surrounded by um, farm animals and and the pets. But um, as a kid, I was probably communicating with them, and I just don't remember that. But my husband got a terminal cancer diagnosis about 11 years ago now, 12 years ago. Oh my. And he's kind of, he's very spiritual and he's often referred to as the Dalai Lama. And um, mm. we had a dog, we had, mm. had, our dog is still alive. We have a dog that had anxiety back then. And I said to him, I don't, I'd somehow heard about animal communication, probably Facebook, it dropped up on a feed somewhere. And, um, and I said to him, oh, you should, you should learn this and figure out what's wrong with Kenny and then fix him. And he said, righto, that sounds like a good idea. So I uh, bought all the books and back when DVDs were a thing and, and Google um, documents and things like that, and I send them over and he didn't do anything with it. And so, but I was intrigued. I just, I needed to get my teeth into this. And he said, why don't you figure it out and then just tell me what I need to do? not realizing that all of this was for me and not for him at all. Um, uh-huh. So I just, I just as, it, as it usually works out, doesn't it? And, and so I just sort of read a lot and I watched a lot and I got more and more interested in, and I happened across a lady in Australia who did animal communication mentoring programs. And I thought, well, I don't even know what that means, but I'm signing up. I was on a six-month waiting list and... Um, and then I had this session with her and it all became in that moment very clear as to who I am, where I am, what I'm doing and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, she said to me, just start tomorrow, get a Facebook page and run with it. And I did and I've not looked back. So wow. it's, it's, um, it's a great thing. I absolutely love it. That's amazing. And we saw on your uh, Facebook page that you have wild animals and domestic. And now, do you you work with wild animals also? I don't work with them. I have a I have a great concern 
for the wild animals and what's happening with them. So I communicate with them for my own benefit and I might write a blog on it or an article and just try and get the word out about how do, the, how do wild animals fare in this environment that we are creating for them? And what, what are they feeling? What are they thinking? What do they need from us? And that type of thing. So it's kind of my own crusade. And then I share the information because there's, you know, people that need to read it. Um, and with the television show in the season one there, I had a wildlife um, expert come in and join me. And I thought, well, I might actually in this episode just call in. He was, he was an Australian, Australian wildlife fellow. I'll just call in an Australian animal and see what they've got to say, uh, which will combine nicely with this show. And so the kangaroos, one of my favourite animals, um, came in to share their words with us on how, they, how they're going. So I just love it. I really like to talk to wild animals. You know, how do you deal with stress? Do you get stressed? What do you do with that? And, you know, that sort of thing as well, because it's quite different to us. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's so exciting. Now, again, it's, you do so many things. You find missing pets, too, which I can imagine is an amazing thing that you help owners with when you can successfully find them. How do you search for them? Do you try to just pick up on, on their frequency and track them down? <laughs> yeah, and I'd like to say it's a you know a very successful thing that I do with that but it's I always I always say to the clients that it's it's a tool to have in your searching toolbox it's not you might want to use this as the only thing but you still need to do the legwork and you still need to do everything else that you can do to find your pet Um, you know some animals don't want to get found so the first question I ask I I connect Mm -hmm. with them as I would just with a regular animal communication where I just merge my energy with theirs and and connect into you know sort of their mind to mind I guess for one of a better way of explaining it um, I ask them where you know how they are I, I also check out and as best I can if they're alive still because mm-hmm. uh, that's not always easy you know if an animal is in shock they will show that they've passed if an animal is, oh. for, for me, this is not always for everybody, but for me, an animal in shock or in full-on fear, they will show that they've passed. An animal that um, may well have passed that hasn't transitioned yet will still be very earthbound. So they may show up as alive. So I need to spend quite a lot of time. It's a very important question. I need to spend quite a lot of time on that over a period, you know, every time I check in, over a period of days, I'll just see where I'm at and try and clear away the potential shock and fear and and all of that sort of stuff just to get to the truth of the answer there. But that's my first thing is, are they alive? And why did they leave? Because there are many animals that don't like their current circumstances where they're living or, you know, if a new partner has come into the house and they don't like them or, you know, animals are often here to help us grow and learn our life lessons. And if they've, if they've ticked that box and that job is done, then it's time for them to move on, which is another oh. less, lesson for us in some ways. So um, it's important to just check out why they've left, because if they don't want to come back, then they will be very difficult to find. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine. <laughs> but oh, I, but I, um, so, 
that's kind of my, I just get a general impression. Like I just tune into them and ask them those, those questions. And then I get a general impression of where they are. And it might be, whatever comes through is, is unique to the animal, but it might be, I'm so close to home, it's not funny. Um, I will be, I'm going to be found. You know, I'll often get, will you be found um, feelings on that? Or they, they'll just turn up. Um, in a couple of days' time or that they're feeling sick, and they, especially cats. When cats feel sick, they disappear and they come back when they're, you know, sort of feeling better. And, oh. um, and then, I'll, then I'll kind of get more in-depth and I'll, I'll really become the animal and I'll see through their eyes and see what they can see. And I work in like a clock situation. It's something that Pam Coronado teaches very well. And so I look through their, I sort of look through their eyes at 12 o'clock as opposed to north, south, east, west. I just do 12 o'clock. What can I see within 100 metres or half a mile or, or whatever, you know, any man-made um, man landmarks that stand out? Are there any natural landmarks that would stand out? And then I turn to 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and I'll smell and I'll taste and I'll hear. I have all of the senses available to me for this. And so I'll go through each sense individually and then I'll get as much information as I can to get a general location. And then I'll try and just pull it in a little bit closer. You know, if there's nothing to see at sort of 50 metres or, you know, how many yards that is, a couple of <laughs> 100 yards or something like that, and then I just keep right. going out a little bit further, a little bit further. And I'll also look at night time. So I'll, I'll, I'll ask, show me from above the scene at night because you know there might be an airport runway nearby and there's just lights all down lit up at night but daytime you might not see that so much so there may be some really bright spotlight somewhere that shows up that's just more information on location points um, so I look from above I'll look ground level I'll look nighttime and I'll look daytime and just get as much information as I can and share that and then we sort of just go back and forth from there and with the intention that hopefully they find their loved furry one. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's a oh win my and sometimes it's a not. Yeah. So when people contact you for a regular reading, I mean, just talk to my pet, um, how long do you spend with that? Is it, do you do like an hour-long reading? What's the time frame for you when you work with your clients? It's... Um, most people, it really depends what they can afford, I guess. So most people like 30 minutes. 30 minutes goes really fast and it's, that's a time slot that's just a, um, because animal communication really is getting the why. Why are they behaving this way? Why do they look like that? Why are they doing this thing? Um, why aren't they blah, blah, blah. So, you know, in 30 minutes with one animal, you can, you can get a little bit of information there. 45 minutes, it's still a fairly general. You might fit two animals in there. And it's, it really depends on what the issues are. Some, I have a lot of horses in New Zealand and up in that sort of uh, Minnesota area that I connect oh. with. And these are mostly horses for competition. So we have a lot of training stuff. Why is the horse not jumping? Um, how does the horse feel about the rider? What does the horse want from the rider? to make them, you know, win and not come second all the time uh, and that type of thing. So it really depends on what people want. Medical intuition, it's like peeling an onion. 
if there's health issues, that can really take a lot of digging around and that can be an hour plus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's, and you know, animals block as well. So if they don't want you to know why they're sick, if they don't want you to fix them, then they may not share their information with you. Oh, those stinkers. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's See, we're not too helpful. Human. <laughs> But but what I love about that is what you're telling us is that the animal soul still has its own free will here on planet Earth, right? A hundred percent. That they do, yes. And we need to remember we need to remember that because we are we are not, you know, above them. We are Mm -hmm. equal. Same. Yeah. That's right. It's just so it's so important that one thing that I find is really missing, and I'm guilty of this too because I'm busy like everybody, is that we have lost the art of being present with our animals. So, you know, we play with them, but we're kind of typing an email while we're playing or we feed them and we just kind of chuck the food in the bowl and throw it on the floor and pat them on the head and off we go. Um, when, they're, when they're not right, we pay a little more attention but we're still just not really present with our animals and they need us. And a lot of the behavioral issues, you know, they're just trying to get our attention and just tell us something. And we need to stop, put everything away and really connect with our animals because we're all intuitive, as you would know. Um, We can all intuit our animals. And, you know, one of the reasons that I'm probably going off on a tangent here, but one of the reasons that I really love to be able to communicate with my animals is for not just the little things, but the high-end things. And I'll give you an example of um, a cat and a dog that I had that have both passed now, but one of my dogs um, started screaming. You know, you'd go to touch him around the hips and he he would literally scream. Now, he was about the size of a Labrador. Yeah, and it was quite, it was... Mm awful um now the vet's idea of of fixing that is to just give him tremadol to take the pain away but it's like well what is the actual problem here because that's not going to i don't like this screaming dog <laughs> um mm-hmm. and we lived near we lived near a national park so we would take them out and take them off their lead and they would just run free he loved to chase things and so he had spent a, a long part of his 12 or 13 years running up and down hills and so I connected with him and I said to him his name was Albie and I said Albie why are you screaming show me the pain I wanted to feel what he was feeling and it was excruciating it was like a knife stabbing into my hip Mm. I thought okay well this is genuine because animals can manipulate as well they're little trickers um so it was genuine pain and then I just I just asked what is going on here? What do we need to do? What is the problem? And you have to be shown the information in a way that you understand. So it has to be shown to you based on your experience, based on what you know, what you've seen, what you've learnt. And I've had a lot of experience. I'm not a vet or a doctor, but I've had a lot of experience studying the human body and in different forms. So I'm, I know a certain amount of anatomy and physiology. Anyway, I just had this word drop into my mind, hip dysplasia. And because mm. I couldn't really show that to me, I didn't know what it would look like as a vision. So I had to get the, the clear audience. I had to get the words. 
and I could see on the top of his joints this kind of um, arthritic crumbling sort of effect. So then we go to the vet with that information. You know, most vets, unfortunately, they're not interested in, in knowing who I am, So, which is kind of a shame because I think we could work together really nicely. But Oh, absolutely. Oh, just so there's so much value in it. It's it's not funny, but he had they did scans, blood tests, and all those things. He had hip dysplasia and he had arthritis. So then we could treat him for those things and not just jam painkillers in every time he was in pain. So you know that was that's why that's my dog. And so then we would go for a walk. He couldn't run up and down hills anymore. So we would go. I would drive them up to a flat part out in the bush but it was a flat road and we'd get to there I had some little points along the way and I'd say to him and I'd send an image to him as I mm-hmm. said out loud as well Albie if you are in pain and you need to go home turn around and walk back towards the car if you're okay keep walking straight ahead remembering that you still have to go back the same distance we came out and we would stand there for maybe 30 seconds because his mind is going, oh, I just want to run, run, run. But his body's saying, hang on, old fella. <laughs> you can't right. do that anymore. So he would turn around. You know, 90% of the time, I kind of knew when turn around point was. But he would think about it and then he would turn around and we'd walk back to the car. Or he would keep going and then I would stop more often because we're starting to get a little far out. So, um, you know... That was valuable, and and we can do this with our pets. That's so wonderful. Uh, that, and you can teach us to really do that, is. too. So we need to learn this because we love our pets, but we also, and let me go back also when you talked about being present. You know, I got mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. It's so important. Is there anybody in the world I'd like to be with more than my dog? No. Honest answer, no. He's at the top of my list. (laughs) There's nobody that that. can come close to him. You know, he's just so sweet and so loving and and smart and beautiful. I could just stare at him all day. So, to me, it's like when I catch myself not being totally present and not paying attention to him, I really correct myself because I don't like being distracted by all these other things that are meaningless not that everything else is meaningless but you know what i'm saying it's like he's the most important relationship there's something very special about that bond and so yeah to get lost in doing your day is a mistake i agree with that completely it's a total mistake because we are ignoring then our most precious bond with these these animals whether they're wild Mm -hmm. or domesticated there is a really important bond there. So I love what you said, being present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the easiest yeah. ways that I have found with my own dogs to communicate is basically telepathic, like sending them images. Like if I want to visualize them getting up and walking to the door, like to take them out, I'll kind of send that to them. And some of my dogs pick it up a little bit faster than others. But what are, one of, what are some of the easiest ways for us to start communicating with our own animals? Exactly what you said, actually, because, I mean, you would know, dogs particularly, they know they know when they're going for a walk and they know when they're going to get fed. And you could even, you know, my, my husband, 
likes to spell um, because our dogs have always known when they're going for a walk and he'll, he'll say to me, I'm just going to take them for a W-A-L-K. But he's uh, <laughs> inadvertently sent them the image of the lead coming out, the shoes going on Hooray. and where they're going. <laughs> you know, we, can, we can't not create images in our mind. It's impossible to not create images. So I think that's one of the, one of the greatest ways is, is to use the images and this is for behavior, this is for anything, create the images in your mind of the behaviors that you want and then use the words that create those images because that's where we go wrong is we are born to say no, don't, stop, shouldn't, can't, all of those negative words. And it's not about those words particularly for the animal. It's those words that create the image of something we don't want them to do, like barking is a great example, where we say, stop barking, no barking, don't bark, that kind of thing. But the image in our mind is still a barking dog. And animals are telepathic, so they're reading the mind going, you know, they're hearing us saying stop barking, but they're seeing the Mm -hmm. image of a barking dog and they're going, oh, well, you know, mum's kind of showing me that barking is okay. So that doesn't work. So we need to change the words to shush or be quiet or something else that, um, you know, doesn't use the negative words that creates an image of a mouth, a dog with its mouth closed and sitting quietly, you know, and getting them undistracted when they're barking, you know, that they're in their own little world that you need to get their attention, send them to off to their bed or something like that and, and shush, be quiet and be really assertive. So I like to tell my clients, because this is a problem all the time with animals jumping, animals chewing furniture, that's got anxiety in there as well. So that's another issue. But, you know, write all the things down that you don't like of your animal or the behaviours that you're, you're not liking from them. Write down in another column what you currently say to them and have a think about what image that might create in your mind. And then write down the words that you can use that would create the image of the behavior you want and then practice that while you're sitting in the car, driving to the shops or walking around the supermarket until that becomes your new language. Because hmm. we can send the images telepathically, but we, we need to send the right ones. So mm-hmm. if we speak out loud or speak in our mind, sometimes that can help just kind of cement those, the images that we're looking for if that makes sense. That's great. Yes. I love that. Are some animals easier to communicate with it, with than others? And by that, I mean like, you know, are cats easier to talk to than dogs or are horses easier than cows? Or is it really just dependent on the individual soul? There's two parts to that. I would say horses, 100%, are my easiest one. And it may not be the same for all animal communicators um, because I've not had horses in my life I've ridden horses but I've not had them in my life I've had cats and dogs forever so I would think that they would be my easiest but horses are so easy to hear and they're clear and they're powerful and they say what they think Um, and dogs and cats they're a little more harder to hear and then they have their individual personalities so they'll either want to talk to you or they won't or they'll share what they a little bit or it's just hard to connect with them and it's just like people you know if, you, if you've got three children they're all different you need to find your way to communicate with each of them to get the best out of them 
Um, mm-hmm. And some kids don't talk and some talk a lot and some want to share and some don't. So animals, I find, are the same. They're a little bit um, tricky sometimes, but if they're really angry, if an animal's angry, they just want to get all of that off their chest and then you get the true essence of the animal. Once they've got that done, then they'll kind of come through as their, you know, more true self. Mm -hmm. Well, we've lined up four dogs to talk to you tonight. So... (laughs) Who do you want to start with? You've got some photos there, I know, that we sent you. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix, Twyla, Penny, and Daphne. How old's Daphne, Michelle? Daphne is, oh, my goodness, I think she's 13 now. Yeah. You've got a house full of females. <laughs> we have a lot of estrogen <laughs> over here, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I I just have to say that, um, and this may or may not surprise you, Penny wants to go first. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. let's just um, let's just tune into Penny, and if you have any questions for any of them too, just. You know, jump on in with whatever you want to want to ask them. So let me okay. just pull Penny up. Just just give me a moment. I know we're on we're on the phone on radio, so it's hard to see what I'm doing. But I'm just kind of connecting with her now. She's just a live wire. She's just kind of bouncing all over the place, jumping up and down, and doing circles. And she may not actually physically do that, but she certainly, that's her energy, is just live sure. wire. Yeah. yeah. And she, um, she, she is a great example of how to love life because she mm-hmm. is just exuberant. She just, it's like she just drinks life in. It's like I want to suck more out of it and I don't have enough hours in my day to be able to do that. What can we do now? Um, she needs constant uh, entertainment and attention and things to do. And, you know, I see her prowling pr- prowling around the house and the boundaries like she's um, on alert and just knowing where everybody is. It's like, what's she doing? Mm-hmm. What's she doing? What's she doing? Where is she? Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, it's actually more like, did I give you permission to do that? It's even a little bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what kind of dog oh, is she? She's she's a Shih Tzu, but you know there are times oh. where, I'm like, gosh, we're lucky we're lucky to live in Penny's house. It's nice of her to let us live here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, you know, because yes, they I say that, that dogs have dogs have owners, but Shih Tzus have staff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, I see her opening the door, greeting people like it is her own house. It's like, oh, no, you can't come in. You're okay. Uh, uh-huh. But mum doesn't, yep. <laughs> the human mum doesn't really have any, any free reign here. <laughs> um, I'm just getting, I'm getting taken to her digestive system as well. So let me just have a look in, in here. Okay. I'm feeling very grumbly in the stomach and then I'm going down into the small intestine. Um, how is her eating at the moment? You said, was you, Michelle, that said one of your dogs wasn't eating? 
No, it's me. Um, Phoenix. It's Patricia. Oh, that, that was Patricia. Right. Right. Okay. Um, she's feeling Can very... And she, I just want to... Yeah. She sorry, you go. Eats, um, she eats everything as far as, like, she'll eat sticks, she'll eat rocks, she'll oh. eat anything. Oh. Uh, right. Okay. It's worth checking out to see why she's actually doing that because... Um, you know, that's kind of okay if there's a, a valid reason that is not like an anxiety or something like that. So let me just check in and just uh, see if we can ask her what that's all about. Oh, this is burning energy, especially particularly eating rocks. But the problem with rocks mm-hmm. is it's going to it's going to cause problems with her teeth. Um, if it hasn't already, they look pretty good. That bottom row in this photo here, they look quite nice. But um, eating rocks is going to grind them down and it's going to cause issues later in life with, um, you know, having to eat food. So I know she's only one at the moment. So just keep an eye on her with her rocks. This, but she's kind of obsessed with that. It's, it almost feels like an addiction. Um, but okay. she's just such high high energy that she just needs to... And there's with that, and this probably this um, breed of dog too, perhaps has a little bit of that anxiety. Like Jack Russells, they are very enthusiastic, um, and anxiety can sit in there as well. So I just want to check that digestive system in relation to that. There, there is some anxiety. Okay, so my what I do with um, when I look at this sort of medical intuition, I guess, is I look at the the physical organ and I also look at the emotional organ so which can be quite different so I want to just ask her she can show me her and in Chinese medicine you know the digestive system is about worry and anxiety and those types of things so I want to have a look at the small intestine and I want Penny to show me her physical small intestine because I want to see how that that's where all of the nutrients are absorbed and that's a really important part of the body to um have in order so let me have a look at the small intestine the physical organ that's working really hard just before we go on with that let me have a look at the emotional small intestine Mm -hmm. and there is anxiety sitting in there they actually they look kind of similar um, when you separate them out they're kind of similar but um, is the physical is the physical um, organ that I'm seeing because of this anxiety, this emotional side, partially, okay. Some of it is food as well. What are you feeding her? What does she get to eat? Oh, my goodness. Um, as far as just regular food, I can't even think of the brand right now. You caught me off guard. But it's a high-quality dog food, and then um, she gets um, some treats, but they're usually lean treats. Yeah, yeah. What she when you say it doesn't matter what brand what the brand is. Um, mm-hmm. Is is this kibble or is it wet food or both? Um, it's both. She gets mostly dry with a little bit a little bit of wet on top. Right. Okay. Um, and this you know this is one thing that I say to people is do your own research because um, being a holistic animal health coach, I, I very often am. I am always driven to the holistic way of doing things. Um, And I have had experience with my own dogs and cats with food and the reaction to that on the body, which is huge. It creates, 
you know, anxieties and, um, you know, neurological kind of weird stuff. And that's the technical term. And it can just really, like giving (laughs) a kid red cordial, it can just send them off the Richter. I'm feeling with the Mm -hmm. dried food, uh, because Mm -hmm. the best way for a dog and a cat to eat is what's called a bath diet or a raw food diet, which is basically, um, let's say it's chicken. It's um, mm-hmm. 80% chicken, 80, 10% bone and 10% offal ground up into like a mince, a ground meat. And it's raw. And they, you know, they might put supplements, depends who makes it. You can do it yourself, but you can get this delivered. It's, you know, worldwide. And the mood, the, the physical health, the energy, the, you know, the glossy coat, the eyes, the nose, everything changes in an incredible way and the vet visits are almost non-existent when we feed our animals the right way. And as you can imagine, this is our fuel for our physical and our energetic body. Um, And with us, we know when we eat and drink well, we feel good and we are well most of the time. It's the same for an animal. So what I'm getting shown with her is that she, because I have this symbol, when when a dog has blood, running out of its mouth um, mm-hmm. with, a, with a piece of beef in their mouth that's raw and bloody. It's showing me that the body is craving raw food. Um, oh. So have a think about um, transitioning or including some raw food into her diet because it will soothe her digestive system and she will really draw the nutrients out of that food to make her feel amazing but also calm her down a little bit. Because okay. the kibble, uh, kibble and canned food has a lot of preservatives and it has stuff in it. Rosemary extract and, and carrots I see a lot of issues with, with skin itchiness and allergies and stuff like that. Beef I also see um, can be quite a problem for dogs. So um, ha- have a little think about her food because she is, she is just showing me that this, she's quite high end and there is a relationship with what she's eating there. Okay. Thank you. My pleasure. I hope that wasn't too long. Was that too long? Tell me to be quiet if I'm I'm going. No, no, this is fascinating. (laughs) Well, because you're also hitting on a lot of issues that pet owners face. I mean, food, there's a new dog food coming out, I swear to God, every day. I mean, you look on Facebook, well, here's another dog food, and this one's better. It's like, I don't know. There's, and then there's so much controversy about grain versus no grain. And if you mm-hmm. give your dog no grain, then they're going to have heart problems. Now they're coming out and saying it's not the lack of grain. It's peas and legumes mixed into their food that they shouldn't be eating. So who knows? You hear it from all sides, and it's very difficult to come up with the right answer. But this is very enlightening, it is. what you're talking about. It, it is. It really is, and, and, you know, you'll find your dogs will be licking their paws all the time or their nose, same with cats, and they'll be licking themselves because they're trying to get this sensation out of their body. And when they're incessantly licking, it can be a food Mm -hmm. allergy. And, you know, um, if if I had any advice to anybody, kibble would not exist. I would not feed, Mm. and particularly male male cats have a very fine urethra through the penis. And so it's very dehydrating for the body. The kidneys, you know, we have crystals coming through the urine and they block that urethra. Very painful for a cat. 
And a male cat, because it's just such a tiny cotton thread of size for a crystal to run through, it often blocks, then it will back up into the kidneys and we've got kidney disease and your cat will die. Um, mm. Not all of the time. If you don't catch it, you know, and, I, and I'm, this is where I come into this because I've had three cats. I'm a slow learner. I've had three male cats die of the same problem. And it's like, oh, seriously, awesome. can you not get any more stupid? <laughs> so, oh. and I studied nutrition years ago, so I'm very passionate about it. But if, it, if there's one thing I can pass on to the listeners, really address the nutrition, get rid of kibble. Even if you transition it out or even if you feel that you need to do it, please put in some raw food as well. And just mm-hmm. they'll love you for it because they can't tell you that unless you unless you can hear them and they show you. But it is important for everybody for sure. Yes. Yep. Right. Diet yep. is so critical, and this is why it's so important to talk to you about what you're finding works because there's so much that really doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a lady in um, in New Hampshire somewhere. She had a cat that was going to get put down because the vet just could not find, had done every test, could not find what was wrong with this cat, a beautiful cat, and was only four years old, so still very young. And she was beside herself and she said, I've got, I'm going to put her down this week um, if we can't do anything because the vet cannot do another thing. And she'd been to a couple of vets, I think, so she'd sort of been around a little bit, but... The first thing, it was, I mean, it sounds very simple, but we just don't think of it. The food was, and she was just vomiting. She'd been vomiting all day, every day for a few months. And she was losing weight, not eating, and it was pretty awful. And I said to her, you know, this this food that you're feeding your cat is reacting to her body. Whatever the chemicals are that are in it, it's not good. Take her off the food. Mm -hmm. Find yourself maybe an animal naturopath or a holistic vet. And, you know, go down this path. Anyway, she took my email to the vet and the vet, um, God bless them, <laughs> actually read it and took an interest in it and said, um, here's an animal naturopath. Go and see them and take care of this food. So I don't want to diagnose and tell people, you know, I think this. Go and really consult with your vet with, with more information, forewarned, forearmed and, you know, knowledge is power type of thing. Right. And... And so she did that and she went to the naturopath and the cat, whatever, two, three years later is still alive and going great. It was an instant change. The cat is no longer wow. needing to be put down. So wow. it's a big that's thing. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Let's, that is so exciting. Yeah. It is for the pet parent that is beside themselves, as you can imagine. Um, oh, God, yeah. Let's have a look at Phoenix, shall we? Because Phoenix is just staring well, at me on my screen shit here. Another Shih Tzu. That's right. Another beautiful, very well-brushed Shih Tzu. Little Phoenix. <laughs> he is well-brushed. <laughs> I am the man of the house. This is how he speaks. He is very beautiful with his posture. His little chest is up and his shoulders are back. And why do you want to talk to me today? I don't really have anything to say to you. (laughs) That's him. (laughs) (laughs) And and he's like, you know, because most most animals call their mum mum, 
but Patricia, mm-hmm. your mother, what does my mother want from me? He's almost got a little bit of an, an Englishness to him. <laughs> yeah. And don't you go traversing through my digestive system. There's nothing to see there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's him. The last animal communicator talked to him. He said to her, you're not a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So here it is. It's the same way of communicating with you. This is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes if you wait around long long enough, he'll actually drop his defenses a little bit and become a little mushy dog underneath that and want to talk about what's going on. So how long has he not been eating? Well, he was eating uh, the food that was recommended by the breeder when I got him at uh, 10 weeks, 11 weeks old. But the food, there was something wrong with it, and he was throwing up every morning, so I immediately took him off of it. When I took him off of it, there was nothing else that he was interested in. I tried, I don't even want to tell everybody in this audience, because it may get back to my husband, how much money I spent on (laughs) All of these, you know, dog foods, I tried so many. And I know, Michelle, you said high-end for your penny, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking like an easy $1,000 that I spent trying to find a food he would like, including raw. I've tried that. I've, oh, jeez, go down the list. And he just mm. is, he's very, very, uh, nope, I'm not having that today and maybe never. But he likes, I do <laughs> give him raw food sometimes um not all the time but sometimes and he he seems to have a very small stomach is my take on it because he'll only eat a little bit at a time of anything yes he's very particular and he's showing me he's showing me an image of a salmon jumping out of a like a waterfall in alaska somewhere um, so he may have expensive taste. Well, he did, he, he, he says to that is, oh and God. the problem I'm with that is I'm saying caviar. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're on the same page. Um, oh, that's too funny. He's also suggesting that he's a grazer. He's not a gulper. He just, you know, he'll eat a bit and go away. And that's he, right. he doesn't really have. He doesn't have a, a desperate sense of hunger. Um, okay. Let me just, let's just have a closer inspection of that. Yeah. So I'm just want to, I want to ask him, I want to just kind of ask him just to put, if it's okay with him, just to step aside from, you know, his little personality that he's got going here uh, and not wanting to talk <laughs> to me really. Uh, I just want to ask him if it's okay, if if we can ask about this eating, if it's a problem, a disorder, um, if it's the food, how and how he actually feels internally, whether he feels satiated and hungry and those types of things. So I just want to, okay, he's okay to talk about this. He's rolling his eyes and he's like, finally you get to the point. Can you just get the words out of your mouth? <laughs> Oh, oh my God! This like is that. too funny. <laughs> so, let me feel how he feels in his stomach. 
I feel full and it feels, I want to say the word blocked. It feels um, not, not blocked in the true sense of the word, but it just feels solidly full as opposed to I'm digesting and mushing up something that I've just got in my stomach. Take me through the duodenum into the small intestine. Take me out of the stomach. I want to see that connection from the stomach into the duodenum. Okay, that's okay. In Into the small intestine. And that's okay. And the pancreas dropping in the enzymes is also okay. So show me the small intestine. The physical is okay. His digestive system... Okay, let me just have a look at the large intestine. Going. His digestive system seems to be quite okay. The stomach is full, so perhaps he's just eaten and he's still got something in there. Um, mm -hmm. But he doesn't feel, I don't feel unwell at the moment, in this moment. I feel, like, I feel pretty good. So I want to ask, what is this fussiness with the food? And I hear variety is the spice of life. Have you not heard of that term? <laughs> and oh my god, oh, I'm in for it, Patricia. How are, how are you with being fussy with food, Patricia? Is he like a mirror to you, per chance? Oh yeah, I'm particular. I would say that. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm very particular about my food, and I don't eat dairy or gluten or anything like that. I'm Everything's organic that I eat. Everything's organic that he eats. So, yes, yeah. yeah. And particular is the word that he's been using. So that um, I asked because I just got taken straight over to you, and it's like like attracts like kind of thing. And he's mm -hmm. like, you know, he is no different to you. So it's okay for him to want that one day and then that the next day, or you know. I don't see him having an issue with food. He's just particular. Okay, that's good. As in a, as in a, a medical condition kind of thing. So um, he's very happy. He says, I'm very pompous, but I'm very happy. <laughs> and I, ha I have the best mother. That's what I think I, I, know if I finished that. But he calls you mother. <laughs> I have the best mother. Um, she's very demanding of me, and she works very, very hard. <laughs> she shouldn't work as hard as she does. <laughs> That's He's true. also showing me a walk. Do you have a big backyard or do you take him um, out walking on like a long stretch somewhere? Yes, yes. I, I have 75 acres here and I have a long driveway. And so uh, when the weather's nice, we take a walk down the driveway and back. Yes. But okay. he has a very large space, but yeah. He never goes it's out alone, him though. Walking. too many wild animals right. here. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, he's, he's showing me you and him together, and you're walking on a long stretch, and it felt like your yard area. So um, that is that. And he, it's just like you have this silent language or this silent relationship where you can just be together but fully connected, and he just loves those walks. It's like that's when he gets – it's – he gets what he needs from you on those walks. It just oh, good. fills his little soul. So keep Aww. doing that. He loves it. Okay. I will. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And, well, and it's funny because I'm just about... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to um, move on from him and he's 
is he's now ready to get right into conversation. He's like, don't go. Oh. <laughs> we yeah. haven't finished oh. yet. <laughs> okay, what else uh, do you need to tell us? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing really. He's just don't. Uh, He's just up for a chat, I think. <laughs> <laughs> now the door now the door's open, he's just he's a little chatterbox. <laughs> oh. But we can um move on to um unless you have other questions or your you know, what what you need to do with your show. I don't want to hijack it. No, um, we not have at color. all. I mean we do have a caller, uh, 480 area code. Is that Penny? Is that who you're... That is Penny, probably. Yes. Oh, okay. That's what I was wondering. So let's get Penny on, because I know you said she's got questions. And Romy has answers. Cool. Romy, thank you so much for talking to Phoenix. Thank That's you, so Romy. kind of if you. We have... Yes, if we have extra time, we'll get to another one. But let's, okay. yeah. let's see what Penny has. <laughs> let's bring Penny on. Hi, Penny. You're on the air. Hello. Do you have a question for Romy? Oh, my goodness. Yes, I do. I, I have two cats. Uh, Blackjack is 16, and uh, we've had him, and uh, I am his special person. And we rehomed a cat, a girl cat named Midnight, that we hoped would be a companion for him, and he seems to be really jealous of her, and he does not want her around, and she just wants to be friends with him. And um, he guards the hall so she won't come down into the bedroom when I'm in there. (laughs) So uh, Uh. I wonder what I can do to help that dynamic. And also, um, I... I'd love to hear anything they have to say about their feeding, about their eating. Right, right. Hi, Penny. Nice to meet you. Um, you haven't rehomed Midnight yet. You're just thinking about it, or you've rehomed her into your house? Oh, we've had her for a few years now. Right, right. At, at first at it seemed one... fine, and then as Blackjack saw that uh, she was going to be treated as well as he is, he got jealous. That's my take on it. I don't know if that's the truth, yeah. but he seems that seems to be the truth. Yeah, jealous of you, jealous of you, particularly giving attention away to someone else that's not him. And you know, one of the things with cats is they are unlike dogs. Um, dogs are kind of pack animals. Cats are very individual, so it's quite difficult sometimes to bring groups of cats into a house without you know having problems personality disorders between them um, because yes. they don't, you know, in the wild, they they don't tend to, you know, walk around in real packs of friends. So it can be tricky. Now, there is a hierarchy in the, um, in the household and it goes like this. The humans are always first. So we have you, mum, and then the first cat or the first animal is because if you've got dogs and birds and cats, it's whoever comes in first, that's number one. And if that, let's just say we're talking Blackjack and Midnight and they're the only pets you've got, it's Blackjack. Yes, and then they are. Midnight is, right, okay. Then Midnight is second in the hierarchy. So you're first, you're the boss, and then Blackjack and then Midnight. And so you need to send images over to them of how you want your household to look. And you want harmony 
You want the two of them to get on. They don't need to sleep together, but you want you don't want the fighting and the you know the animosity or whatever's going on, the jealousy. Um, you need to share with Blackjack, even though Midnight's been in there for a few years. You need to have a chat with him about his behaviour and what you expect from him, and that this is unacceptable. Words like unacceptable um, work really well with animals, or even bad. Bad's a good one as well. So you know, Blackjack. Um, this behaviour is unacceptable and you show the behaviour that's going on and you put a big red cross through it. This is this is how I want the house to look. You need to get on with midnight and I want you to do X, Y or Z. Um, Blackjack is very jealous of your relationship with midnight and so consequently behaves in that way, whether it's lashing out or hissing or biting or scratching or trying to get rid of midnight so show them how you want the house to look that's the first thing and keep coaching them because if they've been around for a while and they have their own personalities because some animals will do whatever they want regardless of what you ask them to do there is another there are many other things that work so well with animals and that is tapping emotional freedom technique or thought field therapy which many of you listeners will have heard of and if you haven't google it because there's so much information about EFT for animals EFT for animals with jealousy problems or anxiety or fear or whatever so Penny have a look at EFT because you can tap on yourself cats don't really like to be tapped on so much and it's tapping on acupuncture points um, that kind of realign the energy to make to take away this feeling of jealousy. The jealousy is very aligned with the bladder meridian as well. So, you know, it's kind of realigning the energy through the meridian. Um, emotion code, all of these things, everybody can do themselves. They can buy the books, they can watch YouTubes. It's very simple. You don't need to get caught up on the technicalities. I must do it this way. A lot of it is about the intention. Um, so there's a lot of things. Acupuncture can work really well too because um, again, it's about bringing the energy back into alignment. So they're my suggestions, um, Penny, because Blackjack is very, and it's kind of deep, this jealousy and this anger is quite deep within him. Um, perhaps because you didn't talk to him about what, what the change was going to be. Very important when we bring other animals into our house that we prepare the other animals for what's happening and why why we're bringing another animal in. Um, and the other thing that is works really well are flower essences, which are non-toxic, unlike some of the aromatherapies that can be quite toxic to animals. Flower essences for um, bringing animals into a new home or jealousy, you know, any emotion you can think of, you can get a flower essence for. And they're readily available, um, you know, from various places around the US. They can, you can just post it in. So I hope that helps. Um, yes, it does. Um, we uh, we actually, Blackjack has been a very social cat, and he's cried wanting to have uh, around cats that he sees in the yard and so forth. It was obvious he wanted a companion, and and we didn't get the right companion. <laughs> Or at least it seemed like he wanted one because he would cry and want to go out and play and or be with them. Um, yeah, I have one other question. 
excuse me. Go ahead. I'm just wondering whether the crying was an invitation to bring them in or go and fight them off the property because cats oh. are very p territorial. So uh -huh. let me just see why he was wanting to go out there. Curiosity. Look, I think um, what I see with this is that he was curious to go out there and see who is on his turf, and then he would decide, because cats are very sensitive. They either like another cat or they don't. And it would be very individual. If there was a cat there that he didn't like, it would be all-out war to get them off your property. Or if there was a cat that... And, and cat's boundaries are not your fence line. They go beyond that. Um, and if, you know, if there's one that, that he gelled with, then yes, he would be interested to have a friendship with that. So it was more, a, what I see is more a curiosity to get out there and see, see who's out there and how I need to deal with them in that moment. Got it. Well, we misread that. Um, Midnight wants to eat. Uh, she was she was nine when when uh, we rehomed her. Her her uh, parent, her mama, uh, passed away, and so uh, she came to us. And evidently, she was said friskies, which is canned friskies. <clears throat> excuse me, which is not, yes. in my opinion, healthy. And uh, and yet that's what she really wants and uh, what she'd like to eat. So I've been giving it to her, and um, I, don't, I don't know how to, to manage that. Also, I, I was always used to my cats being able to uh, have food down all the time, and they just eat a little bit, and so she gained weight because she wasn't used to that. And so I'm trying to not feed her as much, and it seems very stressful for her. Yes, cats and food, it's a really tricky one. Cats are what they call imprint eaters. So they learn how to eat and what to eat from their mother. And if they are, you know, if they're taken away or they're weaned too early, the human becomes the mother. And what that food is as a kitten, that's kind of what they know. What they know. So it's very difficult to change what a cat eats, particularly if you're trying to transition them say into a raw food way of eating um, which is kind of like for them it's like eating a bird or a lizard or a mouse or something it's that kind of nutrition that they get from eating um, the foods that their body looks for um, so it is very difficult but but possible with commitment and some consistency to transition onto other food um, you know there's a lot of the friskies and the and all of those types of foods, there is a lot of salt and there's a lot of um, chemicals and things like that in them. So it, it is a good idea to, to try and transition, even if you do half-half or something like that for a little while. And it might be that you throw a bit of good food out. You know, when I, when I transitioned mine, um, I would put her new food on a separate plate and her old food right next to it. And... And then she would walk around and sniff the new food but wouldn't eat it. And then for a week she kind of did that and then I would put it on the same plate and then she would eat her regular food and leave the new food. 
And then I put a little bit, after a few days, I put the new food underneath her regular food. And then she started to kind of eat it, but she needed to get used to it and kind of re-imprint, if you like, um, the food. So it did take a little while for me, a little while. I'm talking like two weeks, so it's not a huge amount of time. But some uh-huh. cats just say a blatant no, and they need to be fed. They won't starve themselves, however. So if you have good food there, even if it's just an organic ground chicken mince and some organic chicken wings cut up into little, you know, inch-long or half an inch long sizes so they can clean their teeth and stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. Weight weight is a problem for cats. And if, if you're leaving food out, it does, you know, they will eat it, they'll graze. Um, and, you know, the I guess the canned foods and particularly dried food, dried food can really put a lot of weight on a cat and cats get addicted to dry food or kibble. Yes, midnight is addicted to the kibble. Yeah, yeah. I had I had a cat like that. With she used to tear, he used to tear the bag apart, you know, years ago. Until I figured out this is actually not how you feed a cat. That food's going. So he went demented. <laughs> so would you recommend uh, no kibble for either of my cats? And uh, I cook dark meat chicken for blackjack and. Uh, ground turkey and he takes turns with what he like you know he changes from one to the other and um, and I tried it with midnight and she wasn't quite there but I could get her there I think and should I stop yeah. the civil altogether look that it is my opinion I would say do your own research but I would not have kibble ever um, but it may also you know because Animals have been domesticated, and they've got domesticated digestive systems. So you want to ease them away from something. So I would say yes, but I I would strongly suggest that you do your own research. There's a lot of information on um, raw food eating for cats or or dogs um, that you can find. There's a lot of holistic vets. There's a Holistic Vet UK um, group of fellows that talk dogs and cats they are amazing. Um, so find find some holistic vets and, and have a chat to them. Um, you know, even Chinese herbs, I'm, I'm getting shown some Chinese herbs would be quite helpful for blackjack particularly and also midnight for their digestive system, which you can just usually sprinkle into their food. Um, and most of the time they'll eat it. Uh, sometimes they're a bit fussy. But, yeah, I would, I would consider... Um, other options. There's there's a company in America called Steve's Real Food, and I really like um, the work that they do. You can certainly check them out, and they have freeze dried um, food, which is not like a kibble, but it is sort of that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Would you repeat the name of that company? Steve's Real Food. S T E V E S. Oh, okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they'll be they'll be local to you somewhere, or they will deliver. But you can have a look at their website and just um, I interviewed one of the fellows from there last year, and I have an episode on my television show where he's talking about cat nutrition specifically. So that might be interesting for you to watch as well. 
Well, thank you so much. This has been such an, an amazing conversation. Your knowledge is just, wow, you are so good at your connection and then just what you're bringing in um, for information for our listeners. Yes, so powerful. Thank you. Thank you, so Penny. powerful. Um, we're gonna, you know, Romy. We're gonna have to have you back. I can tell. This is just so much more to get into because I know I wanted to talk to you about vaccines and also we got to bring up Bigfoot mm, before we end the show. Yeah. And I know we have we have more dogs for you to talk to too. So <laughs> yeah. But can yeah. you say a little I, bit about vaccines? I think here in the United States, there's a a new movement afoot that is trying to curb all of this over-vaccination that's happening Mm -hmm. with our dogs and cats. And I don't know what it's like in Australia, but it's, you know, it's it's, uh, a law here about this rabies vaccine every year. But it's not really the best for the dogs. They don't really need it. And so there's a lot of vets that are banding together to try to change it. It's not easy to change. What are your thoughts on all of these vaccines? Not just rabies, yeah, but other that, ones. That, that's interesting. We don't have rabies down here, so we're, we're quite lucky on that front. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of vaccines at all, and unfortunately in Australia, all of the boarding kennels and catteries, you have to have them vaccinated. There are no holistic um, boarding facilities. And so I've, wow. I've unfortunately had to have, my, have mine vaccinated, but I do a lot of energy work to try and, and homeopathics to try and remove, you know, uh, or negate yeah. what the vaccines do. Um, right. So, and, and they won't, because there's some great homeopathic vaccinations too, but, you know, again, the um, boarding facilities won't allow that. So it depends how often you'll go away if you can get a house sitter. I'm not a, Big fan of vaccines, way over. They, you know, they're talking seven years is the last I heard that um, cats and dogs vaccines still showing up after seven years or even after a puppy when they're in their, you know, like 10 and 11 years old. It is crazy. And, we, and they're insisting on that every year, 12 monthly vaccinations here. I wish there was a movement here. There's a lot of talk about it, but there's not really much action going on. Um, I think mm-hmm. we're way over vaccinated, um, and yeah, that, that's. I know a vet would probably shoot me down for that, but I don't like it at all. And I had a cat that died from being vaccinated, so I'm also a little bit mm-hmm. passionate about that because he got a cancer, a very awful cancer from the vaccination site. And mm-hmm. you know, I also I'm not a big fan of chemotherapy and all those things either. So, you know, unfortunately, he past but you know they do more damage than good i think and you know i don't know that's that's just my opinion it's a it's a very very difficult thing to to fight and find better resources for but i was wondering what it's like in your country and so next question bigfoot what what are your thoughts and feelings about bigfoot what have you found Right. Oh, such an interesting an interesting topic because Loch, the Loch Ness monster is my next view. Um, but mm. Bigfoot. So this is this is what I see. Um, and as I mentioned to you when we were sort of hooking up, that when I was looking at Bigfoot to see is he real, I just got told let the mysterious stay a mystery, and I loved that. But I also got shown for 
for my benefit and now your listeners um, what they wanted me to see. So Bigfoot is real to a degree. I see him being able to be seen. I don't see him solid energy like a human or an animal, that solidness, but I see him more a dense energy um, as, a, as hmm. opposed to a solid energy. So you would see him and... If you went to touch him, you know, when I tried to to touch and feel his, you know, skin and fur and all that sort of stuff, I felt I felt him, but my hand sort of went into him. So he he appears and becomes unseen as as he wants to. So hmm. where does he come from? Um, I don't really know. The Earth, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, but I, I feel he can he can show himself when and where he wants to, and he looks real. You would take photos of him, and you would see him as you do, and so that's my that's my vibe on Bigfoot. That's so fascinating. Have you, yeah? Have you had any experience with that? Have you looked at Bigfoot yourself? I have, and. Yes, they they definitely move between dimensions. There's no question in my mind that that's what they do. And they have this ability to sing more than one note at a time. So their voice is oh. impressive, very impressive. And I studied with a Native American medicine woman at one point, and she had quite a relationship with them. But she also said she knew where they had a camp, and she would take students with her sometimes to this camp in the summer. She stopped doing it, and this is why. Because when people saw those big shapes coming towards them, it, like, triggered something in their subconscious mind, and they would all pass out. So enough of that. I'm not going to have these people hike up here and then I have to take care of them because they're all <laughs> go unconscious on me. But there was something about seeing those big shapes that produced this response, which I think is, it does happen for some reason. But anyway, yeah. yeah. And she said the same thing, you know, they can come in and out of this reality at will. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's just like a massive fight, flight, freeze mode. It's switched on. I think. The, yeah, the, the I think fear so. response is just knocking them out. Yeah. How right. fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She thought that they were also very connected with the ETs, some of them, because there appear to be different tribes of Bigfoot doing different things yeah. from different places. But it's right. a fascinating uh, energy uh, type of thing. And there is a photograph I'll be happy to send you. One of our guests was a Bigfoot the daughter of a Bigfoot hunter, more or less. And right. she and her boyfriend were, went to this spot where she knew the Bigfoot were. And they camped out. They had some trail cams set up. And they went into their sleeping bags with no tent. Well, the trail cam took a picture, and I'll send it to you. <laughs> it yeah. was of this Bigfoot with enormous shoulders, big, you know, kind of rounded, pointed head, whatever, Leaning over them. Now, hmm. neither one wow. of them woke up. Neither one. And her boyfriend at the time, he was connected with the Travel Channel or Discovery or one of those that was taking people on these expeditions into Tibet and all these other 
places where there are a lot of very dangerous wild animals, and he always slept with one eye open. He didn't wake up mm. either. And you see this, <laughs> this huge form, you know, just lurking over them. You think, how could they not wake up? This is crazy. I will send you the photo. And I'll, play, I'll put oh, it on a Facebook page so everybody else can see it. And I'll send it to you, Michelle, as well, so that you guys yes. can see this. And you'll see the same thing that we all did, that this animal is obviously, I mean, this, this isn't an animal. This is something so much more that's able to be uh, that quiet, that, I mean, that yeah. huge and yet unobserved, unobserved, except yeah. for the camera. Yeah. And and that's, you know, it's almost like they're, they're not passing out when they see, but they have been kept in that passed out state. Um, right. That's very, that's very curious, isn't it? How interesting. It is. It mm-hmm. is very mm. interesting. Yep. Yeah. So I'll make sure you get that I'll, copy. So you can... Oh, please do. That'd be great. Yeah, maybe you can communicate further through the photo, but it's it was an amazing thing when I saw this. I'm like, how could you idiots not wake up? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this thing is yeah. staring I, I at you. I don't think they were supposed to. <laughs> yeah. I love that, um, you know, they can sing two notes at the same time, too. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, more than two. They can do more than two. Mm. Their voices are, are unbelievable. Yeah, because yeah. the medicine woman that I studied with, she says, you know, when the energy's right, they'll come. And she was chanting one night in a teepee with some other people, and all of a sudden the door to the teepee flew open, and there was Bigfoot. It was drawn to them chanting. And, mm. yeah, the, the sound of that. So none of them passed out. She's never no, passed out with them. No, they didn't. They mm. didn't, Yeah. But the ones that hiked up to their camp with her, they always passed out. She was so sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's for your and eyes you only. Babies. She didn't watch the James Bond movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Romy, what's next yeah. for you? I mean, you're so talented at everything that you're doing with the animals. Do you have a book coming out or anything like that that we can talk about with, you know, suggest that our, our oh. listeners get? I'm I'm halfway through writing a book, so it's not it's not ready yet. I was finishing that at Christmas time, and here we are now May, and I'm still halfway through. So that is coming, and it's it's go, it's a book of short stories um, from the animal's perspective, and we'll you know I'll be talking about say anxiety, uh, a rescue dog that's got anxiety, and how they feel when they're rehomed and dumped, and all that sort of thing. And then stories from an animal communicator's perspective and then stories from um, the pet parent's perspective. So it's that's hopefully will come out probably early next year is my plan. Um, oh, great. But, yeah, I, I, I have big plans and I'm, I, I'm not too sure where I'm going with them. So I just... There needs to be more education. I know people love their animals, but love doesn't equate to the best possible care. So I just exactly. want to help be a part of be a part of that voice that changes mindsets. And and I would like to get on the speaker circuit somehow. Um, TED talks, all those things. So I'm just I'm doing things in the background, trying to push my barrow um, and see where I end up. So. 
let's see. You know, it would be wonderful for you to be on an American television show um, talking about all of what you know about holistic care and all of what you've learned from the animals. It would be great, don't you think, Michelle? That would be a wonderful show to watch. I absolutely think that would be wonderful. And I'll just tell you, I have I have a lot of um, good energy feeling around you. I think you're going to have a lot of opportunities in the next year. And the things that don't seem clear right now, give yourself about eight more weeks because then you're going to have more definitive clarity and direction. But spirit is working with you, through you, and all around you. So I'm actually really excited to see where you're going to be in a year with everything. Uh, thank you, Michelle. That's um, that's great to hear. I love that <laughs> because I want I want to do more than I am um, because I can, and I'm pretty passionate about it. So I'd love a television show. I I worked for a film producer 30 years ago, and I contacted him five years ago and said, I don't know if you remember me, but this is what I do, and I need to do something with it. And um, yes. and he said, you tick, you tick five of the six boxes, but I don't know how to make you compelling viewing. And I said, well, you're the producer. Oh. That's your creative job. And, um, and, you know, this is Australian television we're talking. We're very one-dimensional down here. Um, yeah, it's very so, different than television but, here. Yeah, but, yeah, we so can help that, you with that. You know, let us help you with that. Let us see what we can, you know, do to get you to the right people. So I hate to cut this conversation off because, my gosh, we could go all night with you, Romy. This has been so exciting. (laughs) Thank you so much. Next week we have Bavarian Illuminati. We are really changing the subject. But, Romy, we'd love to have you back. So, everybody, thank Thank you you. for listening. And we will definitely plan on that, Romy. And we'll be back in touch. And next week we'll be back with another great show. Until then, see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.